at, at that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Today we are talking about faith in Jesus Christ. We are looking at what it means to believe in Jesus. Now, I'm sure that many of you are saying, well, you know, that seems kind of basic to the Christian life, that, you know, faith is sort of one of these uh, basic, simple things that everyone who's a Christian must, must know and do and understand. But then we turn to this text in John chapter 10, and Jesus is trying to give us a deeper understanding of what it really means to believe in Jesus Christ. So as the text opens, it tells us it's the festival of the dedication in the winter. It is Hanukkah. It is one of the celebrations of the Jewish faith, and Jesus is at the temple, and a lot of people are at the temple and, you know, you, you have to uh, uh, acknowledge that if all these people are at the temple, they probably have faith in God. They are there to celebrate uh, uh, and to commemorate and to honor the living God. These are people of faith. And yet, here comes a group of people to Jesus, and they say, Look, if you are the Messiah, just come out with it and tell us already. And Jesus is, is basically looking at him and saying, even if I told you, said, yep, I'm the Messiah, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to all of a sudden go, hail Jesus, Messiah. And, and we have to ask this question. Why is it that these people of faith can't see Jesus for who he is? And I think Jesus wants, to understand, wants us to understand that we have these minds that God has given us. And over time, our minds are taught things, right? Uh, from the time we are little children, we learn about the faith and we learn about God and uh, we're told about how the church works. And so we get all these things. Here's what the Bible says that are at work in our mind. But sometimes they sort of get us stuck. You see, we come to equate faith with what I have been taught and what I know, and we forget, number one, that we don't know half of uh, what and, uh, God is doing in the world, and we don't know half of who God is. We, we little human beings can't encompass the fullness of God. We can, we can only get a little part of it in this life. 
we see in a mirror dimly in this world and then we shall see face to face. So, so you know, it's not like what we're taught isn't important, of course. You know, we start out our children and we teach them things and then, you know, like if I'm doing a children's sermon, it's like real basic. And then I get up to preach the same text, and I'm like, no, but think about this. Right, I'm going to take you to a more abstract and deeper level, because as adults, you should be moving beyond milk, as, as Paul would say, and into the meat. Human beings are created by God with these wonderful minds, but we are also created for our minds to grow over time. You know, that's what happens to us as individuals. We learn things over the course of our life, but human beings as a whole learn things over time. Uh, did, you, did you ever think that back when uh, the Reformation happened and the Protestant church began, the only way people could communicate was by speaking or taking their quill pen and dipping it in ink and writing something? How many of you are like going to go out today to the quill shop? Right? Because we've learned things over time as a human race. We don't need to communicate like that anymore. We have, we have all these wonderful things now that we can use as if, as if God teases us forward. You know, God says, you're not ready for everything right now, but I'll give you a little bit more and a little bit more. But sometimes we want to hold on to and stand on exactly what we've been taught or learned. You know, there are people today who have been taught that the Bible says the earth was created about 6,000 years ago. And it doesn't matter what carbon dating or science tells us about the age of the earth being way, 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 way older than that. They're not going to change their minds because their minds are what is driving them. You see, let me, let me throw this out. We sometimes are sure of what we know. Um, I just can't imagine that yesterday there was a, a little girl in Kentucky, and Daddy said, baby, here's $2 for you. Go and, go and pick the horse you like best. And the little girl said, Daddy, I like that horse. Um, Fierce Spark, what was its name? Anybody remember? Uh, what was the horse's name? Yeah, nobody can remember. Rich Strike. I like that color of the jockey stuff. I want that one. And Daddy says, oh, no, honey, that would be a waste of money. That horse is only won one time. That horse only got in yesterday from a fluke. That, that horse is, is at 80 to 1 odds. That horse is running from way outside, and nobody ever wins from way outside. I know, honey, it's a pretty color, but no, 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 no. And that's why we run the race. Because that horse did the most remarkable, amazing thing. That jockey went through, uh, you know, 18 other horses and came out on the rail and won. And people's jaws dropped. You see, we think we know things. We think we've got things all figured out. And then life comes along and says, nope, not exactly. 
And that's the second part of what Jesus wants us to see here. Because Jesus then says, listen, my sheep know my voice and my sheep, they, they follow me. He's giving us this idea of sheep who, well, first of all, frankly, they aren't the smartest um, animal on the block. It's almost a way of Jesus subtly saying, you guys, you're not as smart as you think you are. And then sheep have this implicit trust in the shepherd. The shepherd will lead them to delicious meadows. The, the shepherd will lead them to drink. The, the shepherd will keep them safe. The, the sheep just trust the shepherd, and they will go where the shepherd goes. No uh, little um, uh, sheep says, well, Mommy always said this was the most delicious and sweet grass, so I'm just going to stay here. But that's what we human beings do. And Jesus is saying this. Yeah, yes, you're going to think about your life in faith, but the truest faith is always going to come when you live it out. If you want what you know to grow, then you will have to go. Let me say that again. If you want what you know to grow, then you will have to go. Jesus is always saying the way that your mind will open up and learn more and see more and your faith will deepen is by going and living out the life of faith. You know, for years this church uh, did the uh, Appalachian Service Project. And, you know, before you went, you would, you would all ha have all the youth and the adults who were going, and you would be excited about how you're going to help these people and how you're going to serve people and what a difference you're going to make in their lives. And by golly, when you go there, you find out that you are receiving every bit as much as you are giving and maybe more, and that the experience of going and being faithful actually transforms you. But here's the interesting thing. Then you come back to this church, Greg Self, and you try and tell others about what a life-changing experience it was, and it's not the same, is it? Unless you go and have the experience, your faith will not deepen or grow. That is what Jesus is trying to say here. The deepest faith is not just this. The deepest faith is the experience and the way you will live out your life so that God can show you things and open you to new ways of being God's people in the world. Uh, one of the most remarkable people to me ever is John Wesley. Now, it, it, John Wesley w was probably one of the smartest human beings to ever live. This man could read and write seven languages, including Hebrew and Greek, the biblical languages. He was a scholar, widely read. He taught at Oxford. I mean, you know this man was brilliant, but on top of that, being ordained in the Church of England, he knew what they were supposed to believe. He knew the laws and the rules of the church. He knew all that stuff inside and out. And yet, at times, he would just step out in faith and do something absolutely unheard of. Uh, early in his ministry, he did this thing called field preaching, where he'd go out and he'd, he'd stand in a, a 
center of a town or in a field or in a cemetery or something and, and preach the gospel. And before he did that, he wrote in his journal that he was going to do something, quote, unquote, vile, V-I-L-E, because you don't do that if you're ordained in the Church of England. And yet, once he did it, his thinking changed. Why? Because all these people who were not welcome in the church were coming to believe in Jesus. Much later in his life, 50 years later, now you have to remember Methodism wasn't a church in England, right? It was just a movement to revitalize and renew it they were going through the motions. They were thinking about the faith in the Church of England, but they weren't experiencing it. So Wesley has all these people in America who have come to be Methodists, and this little thing happened called the Revolutionary War. And so guess what? There are no, there are no Church of England clergy left in America to baptize or, or, or to give communion or anything else. So Wesley is like, okay, Hmm, let me think about this. And he does this incredible thing. He says, you know what? The heck with all the rules and regulations and what I know. I'm going to ordain some people, and I'm going to let them start a church in America. Well, that church today is not just the United Methodist Church. Out of that church came the AME and the AME Zion. Out of that church came the Nazarenes. Out of that church came the Pentecostals and the Holiness Movement. Even the Salvation Army came out of that remarkable thing that John Wesley did. He stepped out in faith, and that experience not only transformed him, but the lives of millions, tens of millions of people. You see, sometimes we get too caught in what we have taught and what, what we have been taught and what our mind tells us is true. When Jesus is saying, come follow me, I'm going to show you some new things. Come follow me, I've got something for you to experience. Come follow me, do you want to go deeper into your faith? And so, Jesus places before us whether we trust him enough to go to where he might be leading us in our own lives and in the life of the congregation. Because faith is about being the sheep who trust the shepherd enough to not know where the story will end, but to go and to know that faith in God can be deeper and richer and wider and more incredible than anything else we will ever know. So, people, Jesus says to us, will you believe? Will you really believe? Will you go? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.